Good morning, Hagerstown Church. Uh, just wanted to let you know that I love you and I also miss you. And this is a, a bit of an odd and maybe even difficult place for us to be, and yet this is where we're at. Uh, not necessarily here in my house, but uh, just the scenario that we find ourselves in. Um, but I want to just offer some encouragement for you guys initially before we get into the text for the day. And that, uh, that encouragement is actually going to be found in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24. You might be thinking verse 25, which says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But we're not doing that today. We're assembling even here on Facebook. But I, wanna, I want us to, to get some encouragement out of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. So if you have your Bible, just quickly uh, turn there together. Or you can, you can always just listen. I'll, I'll read it aloud. Um, but I want to say this. For, so the circumstances, really, they're beyond our control. We can't control coronavirus. We can't control um, the leadership within the state and, and, and uh, with you know, the advice that we receive from healthcare officials. Um, but we can um, you know, control what we do with the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And that's really what Hebrews chapter 10, 24, verse 24 is speaking to. And so let me, let me read that for you. Um, it says this, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So let's consider how we are to stir one another up to love and good works. And so uh, I want to remind you uh, just about that. that. That's a call, that's a command that the Lord has given to us, that we're to stir one another up to love and good works, and we're to think about how we can do that. And so there's a normal rhythm that you find yourself in on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, and um, hopefully you've considered how your rhythm helps to stir brothers and sisters up to loving good works. And now that that rhythm has been disrupted and there's a new rhythm that's being developed and it's a temporary one, um, it's time for us to reconsider what it's like to, uh, to stir one another up to love and good works. And so with that in mind, um, I want you to just, just consider truly what, what does that look like for you? Part of what we're doing even right now, live streaming this and meeting in small groups around Hagerstown and Washington County, a lot of that um, really is just born out of us reconsidering, Pastor Tim and I, just reconsidering how can we do uh, what we need to do, how do we fulfill this, you know, stirring one another up in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And so in, in, in unique and similar ways, um, just consider that in your own life and as a family, as brothers and sisters, how can you uh, do this? Um, I want to jump into our text this morning, and our text is going to be found in Matt, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 1, and I'll read verses 16 to 20. I want to say this right before we read it. It may sound awfully familiar to you. So we um, had a sermon preached earlier this year. I think it was the first sermon, actually, of January. It'll be linked down below. But that sermon was out of Matthew chapter 4, where it's a very similar passage. It recounts the same thing that we're going to read this morning. And so before we jump into that text, I just want to read like the highlights of that sermon to you. The main point of that passage as we read it was that the primary call is to follow. And so we're going to read this morning in just a minute how Jesus calls his disciples to follow him. And he says that when they follow him, he's going to make them fishers of men. And but he, So then there's this call to follow and there's this call to fish. But Jesus is telling them that, that primarily the call is to follow. And when they follow, they'll become fishers of men. Now, supported underneath of that and found in the text was the fact that Jesus chose his disciples. That was the first point of that sermon, um, that Jesus chose his disciples. The second one was that the disciples left all. And the third one uh, was that the lost were found. And so I want to encourage you to take, take some time, to, maybe this even this week, uh, to go back and listen to that. Again, that should be linked down below. 
Um, but with that kind of behind us, we'll, 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 we'll read the text again, and then we'll kind of stand on that sermon and those, those points. The primary call is to follow, and that Jesus chose his disciples, the disciples left all, and that the lost were found. We'll kind of stand on that, and we'll dive in a little deeper into some other things and nuggets that we'll find in the text this morning. I believe the church will be helped, and, uh, and the Lord will be pleased. So let me read Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. The Bible says this, Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he, speaking of Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. This is God's word. I must ask him to, to bless it. Father, we do truly ask that this morning, that you'd bless this, even as we gather in, in different areas all around um, Hagerstown and possibly others are listening in. We pray that this would be an encouragement to them, that Jesus would be lifted up. We'd see his authority in our lives, both the authority to judge and bring judgment and offer grace as well, and, um, and the authority that he has to call us not just to follow him, but also to abandon that we'd see that. We pray that that would be realized in your church, even as we meet and gather in unique ways, and as we consider how we could stir one another up to love and good works. We pray these things be done in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we, we come to this uh, point in the chapter of Mark, in the first chapter of Mark, that we see that Jesus was foretold about. Uh, the forerunner was said that he would come. The forerunner does come. It's John the Baptist. John the Baptist is baptizing. Jesus comes and he is baptized by John the Baptist. Then Jesus goes out and is tempted in the wilderness. He overcomes, he defeats temptation and Satan there in the wilderness. And then in verses 14 and 15 of Mark chapter 1, Jesus says um, exactly why he's come, what he's doing right now. And there's an excerpt of his sermon. He's calling people to repent and believe the gospel. And he's preaching the, the kingdom of God, how it's come even now. In verses 14 and 15, it says, there in Galilee. So consider, continuing in this uh, flow of, of, of what's happening in the life of Jesus, and Mark's moving us right along very quickly, um, we find ourselves there in Galilee, and Jesus is passing by the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is, a, is called a sea in many texts, but it's, um, it's also called a lake. It has several different names, but here it's the area of Galilee, it's named for the Sea of Galilee, and it's really a large lake. It's 12 miles from... Uh, I think roughly 12 miles from the north tip to the, to the southern. And depending on, I think, depending on where you're looking at it, it's about five, six, seven miles across, depending on the, the area. Um, but one um, ancient historian tells us about the, the Sea of Galilee, that it's full of all kinds of different fish, and it was really a, supported, this sea did, or this lake, supported the communities all around it, because most of them were fishing communities. And so as Jesus passes by the sea uh, along the, the, the shore there, he looks out and he sees some men, um, particularly and initially here, Peter and Andrew, and they're uh, working uh, as, as fishermen. And Jesus calls out to them and he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And what happens right after he gives them that call is really, it's, it's, it's staggering. They obey him. They, they actually follow him. They abandon everything and they follow Jesus. And that's what Mark really wants us to see in these four verses. He wants us to see the authority of Jesus over men specifically over his disciples. And so he, he calls to them, and they literally leave everything there on the sea, and they follow Jesus. Mark wants us to see 
This is the authority of Jesus clearly on display. When I was a kid, I used to, we used to say things about um, each other and we we're retelling a story. We would say, he did that with authority. Maybe he dunked the basketball. He soared over the other person with authority. I mean, it, without question, without any wonder as to whether this person will be successful in what they're attempting to do, Jesus, with authority, calls his disciples and they follow him. In other words, Jesus, his, his power is on display. Mark wants us to see his power connected with his authority uh, being um, just uh, sunk into right here. And so people are listening to Jesus whenever he calls them. He, they, they pay attention to what he's saying. We see in verse 18, he calls Peter and Andrew, but it's not just Peter and Andrew or Pete and Andy that, that Jesus calls out to. It's actually John and James that we see in verse 19. Both these four brothers, they, they leave everything. In verse 18, they leave their nets, Peter uh, and Andrew do. They leave their nets right there on the, on the shore. And in verses, uh, verse 19, we see that John and James, what do they do? Well, they leave their father, they leave the boat, uh, they leave the, the, the workers that are working for their father's business. All of these things are left behind. And what we see here is, in relation, in connection with Jesus' authority over the disciples, is that the call to follow is also a call to abandon. So if you're taking notes this morning, I just want to throw this out there, write this down. The call to follow is also a call to abandon. Jesus doesn't tell them to leave their nets. He doesn't tell them to leave their father. He says, follow me. But inside of that, if we are truly following Jesus, we will be leaving other things. We'll be leaving other things. It's interesting in verse 19 that James and John actually leave their father's business for Jesus. And I just want to lay this out here. This is the facts. Zebedee has got his own business going, right? Old Zeb, he, he's there on the Sea of Galilee. He's gathered up some workers and he's got this vision maybe to, to be the best fishing enterprise there on the Sea of Galilee. And in his vision, in his plan that his, his sons, James and John, they're gonna be a part of that. They're gonna maybe own their own boats one day. Maybe they do even presently. And they're, they're gonna just continue to, to bring in money and make a name for themselves and make a name for old Zeb. This is Zeb's plan, right? Then Jesus comes along and he has another plan. For years, James and John had submitted to the authority of their father. And now Jesus comes along with another plan, with a greater authority. And he calls to James and John. And what do they do? They leave everything behind and they follow Jesus. Everything behind and they follow Jesus. Why did they do that? Why, did, why couldn't they do both? Well, because Jesus' plan was in contrast, and con it was contrary, I should say, to James and John's father. You see, they were at odds with one another couldn't do both. Jesus speaking in another part of the, of the New Testament, he says, you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve both things. Why? Because you either love this one and hate this one, or you'll love this one and hate that one. But you can't have two masters. You can't have two things that are speaking into your life, telling you to do the two different things, two opposing things at the same time. You have to choose. You have to choose. We've all uh, experienced this type of a, a conflict in our own lives. Maybe when you get your license, you, you, you have this helpful person there in the car with you. They're the backseat driver or they're the side driver, right? They're, they're right there next to you. They're maybe even, uh, uh, even to the point of, of helping you. They're reaching out and grabbing the steering wheel. And maybe initially that's okay. You're, you're comfortable with that. But as you get on a little farther in your career of driving, you're, you're not comfortable with having a backseat driver. Why? Because it's, just, it's frustrating. I mean, it's hard to get somewhere when you have two people that are competing for leadership. This is what we see here. Jesus is saying, you can't serve both. You can't follow me and follow your father. 
You see, Zeb, he had this fishing business, and Jesus did too. They were contrary to one another. You could only choose one. So where does this happen for us in our lives? Where do we see this conflict, spiritually speaking? The, the authority of Jesus in our lives telling us to follow, to abandon. Where do we see that? Well, I, I, I listed three things out here for you, and uh, they all start with P. So the first one is this, people. People. There's the authority of people in our lives, and they try to speak in and to our lives, and they try to tell us what we should be doing. And oftentimes, what people tell us to do is contrary to what the Lord is telling us to do. And we have to make the decision, which authority will we submit to? So maybe it's peer pressure amongst our friends. Friends are telling us, this is what we should do. And it's often contrary to what the Lord is telling us to do. Maybe it's contrary to what our parents are telling us to do. Or maybe it's your parents or your in-laws there is an adult that are telling you to do something that's actually contrary to what the Lord is telling you to do. Maybe it's uh, encouraging you to forsake the assembling of, of yourselves together, as we looked at just a moment ago, or we referenced anyway, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Uh, maybe it's something altogether different, but some, something that the Spirit of God and the Word of God clearly is directing you and leading you to do under the authority of Jesus, and you have to make a decision. Am I going to submit to that? Am I going to go another way? We have clearly been given the call to submit follow Jesus, regardless of who says what, we're to follow Jesus. There's another way um, that we're tempted to, to really disregard the authority of Jesus in our lives, and that's with positions. Uh, with positions. Last week, we looked at the cancel culture. So let me explain what I mean by positions. Each and every one of us have been given a position in our lives, a position of respect or even influence. Maybe it's a big one. Maybe it's a small one. Maybe it's their um, in your school, or maybe it's maybe in your career, or even just the community, you've been given this position of authority or influence. And oftentimes, we have to consider the things that we say, because if we say certain things, or if we align ourselves with certain groups or different people, we are in danger of losing those positions of power or influence or authority or whatever it is. And so we looked at the cancel culture last week, and how as Christians, we have to really be careful oftentimes, and we have to consider, if we say certain things, we could be, in a sense, canceled. We see it all the time, right? And we face persecution. We lose our positions of influence. And, and in order to keep our positions of, of power and influence, sometimes we're, we're called upon to remain silent or to remain inactive on certain issues where the Lord, the authority of, of Jesus, is calling us to action. The authority of our position is actually saying, hey, be quiet. Culture says, be quiet. Or, uh, or to remain inactive. So we have to make this decision. Are we going to submit to the authority of, of the culture around us and retain our position, or are we going to submit to the authority of the Lord Jesus? Um, the final one I, I thought was interesting for, for, um, for me to just jot down here was preferences. So we have people, we have positions, and then we also have preferences. And people in positions, there's just outside influence that's affecting us and calling us to submit to an authority contrary to Jesus. But with preference, I, I'm, I'm pointing more to the influence of ourselves, the inward influence, our personal preferences. You know, oftentimes our personal preferences are contrary to the Word of God. Um, one, for, one for example that's so easy for us to identify with is forgiveness. As Christians, we've been called by Jesus to forgive one another, so to demonstrate the love that he demonstrated for us to others, and we do that through forgiveness. And yet, that's not our preference. So often we want to hold a grudge or we want to just you know, kind of stick it to that person and really you know, hope that they suffer because we withhold forgiveness from them. And yet, the authority of Jesus says, hey, forgive. 
demonstrate love just as he has done for us. Maybe it's not in the area of forgiveness. Maybe it's in the area of gathering as saints. You know, it's about to get real pretty out. Uh, we got some beautiful weather here uh, that we're experiencing, even, even in, with the COVID-19 crisis. But as we get even closer to summer and into the midst of it, there'll be this desire probably creeping up in some of you. I know it does for me too, to, to abandon or to forsake the assembling of myself and of our family with the brothers and sisters of, of our church. So maybe it's, uh, hey, on Sunday morning, it, could, it would be nice to, uh, to do this or to do that or to you know, stay home or maybe to go camping and to do, you know, to do something other than what we're doing. Or maybe it's life group. Hey, let's just skip it. It's a beautiful day. There's going to be this temptation or a preference that we'll have to do something other than what the Lord has called us to do. So I want to just call you to this. Put aside our preferences. The Lord is calling us to put aside your preferences and to submit to his authority. So Jesus is the authority in our lives. He, there's nothing in this life that, that trumps or, or overpowers his power and authority. He rules and he reigns in our lives, and he should. We've got to it. We've been called by Jesus to abandon all other authority. So the, the call to follow is a call to abandon. I just want to just take a minute and address you quickly. What is it that the Lord is calling you to abandon? What is it that he's calling you to 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 give up. Maybe let me ask you this way. In what ways have, have you submitted to another authority? Again, that's contrary to Jesus, what he's called you to do. Make that right today. As we move along through this text and, and the application of it, I also want you to see that the message of grace is also a message of judgment. So the message of grace is also a message of judgment. Look back at verse 17. It says, And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. I want to talk about this idea, this analogy of, the, of being a fisher of men. It's more than just a corny dad joke. Like, hey, you're fishing for fish right now. Let me make you fish for men. It's, it's more than that. There's a lot of context there. And if we just skip over that as 21st century Americans, um, and we don't actually look back into the context of Scripture and this idea of fishing and being a fisherman, um, then you'll, there's going to be a, quite a bit of, of color left out. And so I'm thinking of one particular Old Testament passage, but there's several that, that reference God as being a fisherman. But the one I want to talk about this morning is Jeremiah chapter 16. And, and I'll read it for you this morning, but it's specifically chapter 16, verse 16, down to about verse uh, 18. Let me read that for you. The Bible says this, Behold, this is God speaking, Yahweh. Behold, I am sending for many fishers, declares the Lord, and they shall catch them. Afterward, I will send many hunters. And they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill and out of the clefts of the rocks. For my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their iniquity concealed from my eyes. But first, I will doubly repay their iniquity and their sin because they have polluted my land with the carcasses of their detestable idols and have filled my inheritance with their abominations. So in this passage, what we see here is the fish are being brought out by God to judgment. God sends out fishermen and hunters, and what they do is they find those who, are, who's, who, are, who have the judgment of God upon them. See, there's no rescue in mind here. There's not really any good news. It's, it's ominous, and it's judgment. So that's Jeremiah 16. This is, a, this is a theme in the Old Testament when God is 
talking about being a fisher of men or fishing for men. He's not fishing for them to bring them good news. He's, he's pulling them out of the water to their doom and to judgment. They're not being rescued to anything other than to judgment. But here in Mark, it's, it's quite different. And so that's the context of the Old Testament. There's this idea of, of, of fishing and judgment. But Mark is turning that. Jesus is turning that here. Mark's just recording it, but Jesus is saying there's a judgment that's coming, right? But there's also another way fishing or fishermen can be used in a good way. See, here in Mark, Jesus is saying that they're not being rescued or grabbed and brought to judgment, but they're being rescued from judgment to grace. You see, Mark here in, uh, in, in this first chapter, he referenced several times this idea of water. And so he, he, he looks back and he alludes to this idea that the Israelites, they passed through Egypt, right? They passed out of Egypt, they passed through the Red Sea, and they came up out of it. In Egypt, right, they passed through the judgment, and they came up out of it safely on the other side. And yet, when the Egyptians tried to follow after, what did we learn a couple weeks ago? Well, they were swallowed up by the judgment of God. We also saw that Jesus... Um, or John, rather, called all of, of Judea and, and all the surrounding areas out to the wilderness, to the water, to be baptized. And what did they do there? They, they repented of their sin, and as they passed through the water, they came back up out of it, and they received, what? Grace. That water was a picture of judgment. And then what did Jesus do? Jesus' baptism as well, he or was baptized as well. He walks down into the water, he's baptized under the water, and when he comes back up, it pictures his is submitting to the judgment and wrath of God, submitting himself to death itself and conquering death and coming back up out of it. So there's this idea, there's this picture of the wrath of God being water. So Jesus is really turning this Old Testament idea of, 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 of God's judgment being grabbing people and pulling them to judgment. Instead, is he, he turns it on its head and he says, it's really now going to be God sending Jesus, God's Jesus sending the disciples to grab people out of judgment and pulling them to grace and to rescue. And so there's that big twist there. The fish, they're not gathered to be destroyed, but they're gathered to be rescued. They're gathered to be saved. And the disciples of Jesus, they're, they're called to accompany Jesus as he preaches and as he declares the coming of God, the coming of the kingdom of God and the authority of Jesus. And, 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 and encompassed in that message is this idea that if they turn from their sin, if they turn to God, that they can escape judgment in that water, and they can be rescued, they can be brought to safety. So these new fishermen, the disciples, they're to confront people with this message. And here this morning, that's what I'm doing for you. Maybe you've even done that this week. You've confronted other people with this message that there's not judgment that's coming, that God's not grabbing people out and pulling them to judgment, no. They're, they're in judgment. The judgment of God is upon them. And yet, this good news is that we're to pull people out with this message. So there is this idea of judgment, but then there's also this truth of grace. And that's where the gospel comes from. This idea that there's good news. And so, the message is of grace, but it's also a message of judgment. So I want to bring it to a close here and ask you a few pointed questions. The first one is this, do you believe that? Do you believe that the gospel is a message of both grace and of judgment? Do you believe in sin? Do you believe that we have sinned against God? We've turned from him, we've rebelled against him. He's given us his law, and yet we've turned from him. 
Every man, every woman, every child living in Washington County and living on the face of this earth has done those very things. They've sinned against God. Do you believe that? What's more, do you believe this? Do you believe that the judgment of God is upon those who have sinned? Which again, is on everybody. Just like every fish in the sea swims in water, every human being on the face of the earth is swimming in God's judgment. So the good news comes. It's a message of grace. Do you believe in that? Just as true as the judgment of God is, do you believe that the grace of God is also available? Do you believe in that? Do you believe that if somebody doesn't turn from their sin, as Jesus called them to, and repent, that they will in, indeed succumb to the judgment of God? Do you believe that they can be rescued from that? If you said yes to all that, let me ask you this. What are you doing about it? And I don't say that in a condemning way, Hagerstown Church. I'm calling you to action just as Jesus called the disciples. Follow him and he'll make them fishers of men. He'll equip them to rescue people from judgment, pull them to safety, pull them to safety with grace. So a few weeks ago, I asked this question. We began to, to talk about this amongst our, our services and small groups, and that was this. Who's your one? You see, there's a, a, a million fish in the sea, the expression goes. And yet God has called you next to save one person be a part of that message going forth, that message of judgment and of grace and calling people to repent and pulling one person at a time to safety. So who is your one? Who has God called you to rescue in a sense? Church, the message of grace is a message of judgment as well. Jesus has the authority to do this. He has the authority both to to bring judgment and to offer grace. He's done that this morning. Not just that, but we saw this morning that the call to follow is also a call to abandon. It's a call to, it's a call to follow, but it's also a call to abandon. And again, Jesus has the authority to call each and every one of us to do that, and he has done that. We're to abandon all. Hagerstown Church, Jesus has authority over all people. This has been encouraging for you this morning. Let's pray. Father, we truly are thankful that you've revealed this, these truths to us in your word this morning, that Jesus has authority over all people. You've not just called us to follow, but to abandon. I pray that you'd help us to be reminded that the call, I'm sorry, the message of, of grace is also a message of judgment. And may that drive us as we are reminded of these truths to search out the one that you've sovereignly placed in our path. May we not be weary in doing good, but may we drive hard after that. May we pursue that one, even this week, in the weeks to come. And what's more, would you not encourage us? Would you not reveal to us as we consider how to do it, how, how to stir one another up to love and to good deeds? Jesus, we pray these things in your name. So at this time, whether you're in a life group right now or with your family or maybe you're even by yourself, I just want to encourage you to enter into a time of reflection and worship. Um, in the comments below, you'll find a link to a guide that, uh, that should assist you in that, or maybe you already have that. If you're with a group, your leader already has that. So love you, Hagerstown Church, and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have more information coming out soon.